In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. It's time for Tea Party Talk, brought to you by the Rome Tea Party, a community committed to standing together, shoulder to shoulder, to protect our country and the Constitution upon which we were founded. Now, here's your host, Mike Morton. Good morning, Romans. It's been one more week again here in the world of politics, at least, as we've, as we've learned a lot more about, uh, what's their name? Kamala, 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 down at the uh, border, down which at the is border. in Europe. I mean, according to her, it's in Europe. So I'm confused, but anyway. Uh, so, uh, so it's been a, a heck of a week in Rome and Floyd County and the nation. Uh, we'll take on a little bit of it and see if we can uh, can peel a few layers off the onions uh, back there. But welcome all. Welcome to Tea Party Talk, brought to you by the uh, Rome Tea Party, right here on WLAQ 1410 AM and on 96.9, the new Rome FM. I'm your host, Mike Morton, and joining me as our special guest host is the uh, Honorable David Golden Shoe, David Golden Shoe, uh, welcome once again to Tea Party Talk. Thank you, Mike. Good to be here. All right. Now, folks, uh, just in case you, you don't remember it, keep in mind that we uh, are Rome's only local conservative radio talk show. And one more uh, reminder, in case you have missed it, or in case you do miss it, uh, miss us on the regular schedule of Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m., you can catch us on Saturday mornings uh, at WLAQ1410.com throughout the uh, afternoon, on Saturday uh, afternoons, at, uh, at Facebook also, uh, Facebook, the Rome Tea Party. All right, David, let's, uh, let's see if we can't take a shot at this. See what we got going. So here. you can put your put your hand into the uh, hat that's got multiple issues in it today, and just pull one out, and we'll get going. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm still going to do the one I wanted to do. All right. Uh, let's start with something that is starting to sweep the nation, and I bring it up because I've started to catch a lot of uh, women. Uh, talking about this subject and 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 raising gain about mm-hmm. what's going on at the schools and, right. and so forth. So, uh, and but but this is the rising opposition to this thing called critical race uh, theory. Mm-hmm. CRT. Da- David, what is critical race theory, and what is happening that seems to 
uh, have energized parents, mothers, fathers to demand this uh, ideology to be banned, in fact. And would it, would it be? Will it be? What do you think about this? I think we've got a, uh, a long slog to go to get through this. But let me, let me give you some history. Um, people will give you different histories of critical race theory and critical um, legal thinking. Um, but it goes back to it actually has its origins in the 70s. Uh, after the 60s, we had the Civil Rights Movement where we had huge gains uh, for the rights of minorities in our country. We had the uh, um, Civil Rights Act was passed. The Voting Rights Act was passed. We had Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement. Um, <clears throat> we had the uh, creation of the Great Society designed to uh, eliminate poverty and, 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 and balance out the educations in the schools so that... Um, um, blacks in particular, but minorities in this country would find themselves rising and becoming equal uh, in power and uh, influence and economically um, to our traditional European-based uh, citizenry. So <clears throat> what happened, though, was as we moved into the 70s, there was a flattening of the um, gains in the civil rights movement. <clears throat> For example, um, the uh, the Great Society, initially, in the first three to five years, there was a real impact on poverty in this country. And then it just leveled off. It flattened. And that, that, that we have the same percentage poverty now in this country that we had back in the 70s. It's better than in the 60s, but it has just flattened. The education that was expected, the huge rise in education that was expected, didn't happen. And so um, there was a group of um, uh, primarily law professors who. Me, though, but okay. are you going to tell us why that didn't happen? Well, it, uh, why it didn't uh, continue to grow? Well, that that's what critical race theory is about. The question, the critical race theory attempts to answer that question. Okay. Okay. So these law professors, pr primarily led by Derek Bell, who was the first African American tenured professor at Harvard. Um, began this series of legitimate scholarship in an effort to uh, determine why is it that these gains aren't 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 happening, and and over time it evolved and it basically evolved as as follows: the thought became that that uh, discrimination in society is more than an individualistic thing of one person biased against another or one group of people, Southerners, biased against something. They, they came to develop the theory that bias and discrimination was a social construct, that it was part of society, that it was inherent in society. And, and then they began, continuing this evolution over all these years, they began to say, well, why is that? And it has now... And I'm very quickly summarizing. I just kind of crunched together 40 years of theory development. It gets to where we're at today, where it has evolved that there are two classes in our society, and they're identified. They're that you you identify them by their identity. We talk about identity politics. This is all an outgrowth of that. And the identity consists of you have the oppressed, and you have the oppressors. And the oppressors today 
are identified that their identity is white males, um, wealthy. Anybody who fits one of those categories is viewed as the oppressor. And then anyone who fits one of the categories of minority, not not necessarily a uh, poor, um, less educated, um, um, women, um, gay, anyone who fits one of those identities, they're the oppressed. And, and it has developed, and now you see the cancel culture that arises out of it. If you're one of the oppressors, you don't have a voice in this discussion because anything you say is, is coming from the oppressor. You're, you're the bad guy. Every time you speak or try to speak to this issue, you're doing harm to society. It's not based on objectivity. It's not based on anything other than identity. You, because of who you are, you're a bad person, you're an oppressor, and you need to hush. And then if you're in one of the oppressed groups, then it is up to the government, the government, to fix this issue. And so you have now developed what you've seen is instead of our country being what it's always intended to be, which is a country of equal opportunity, you now have this movement for equal outcomes. So now how does all that translate into the schools and why people are angry? What has happened is there, critical race theory teaches that our country is inherently bad, that our founders were inherently bad, that they were oppressors. And, and, and so you have that history being taught and that certain groups in society are inherently oppressed and society owes them something. And that's contrary to everything our country has ever stood for. Everything our form of uh, our, our, our republic, everything our capitalistic society, all of that is contrary to all of that. So that's why you see parents rising up and saying, no, I don't want you teaching that George Washington and Thomas Jefferson were bad people. So that is a very broad nutshell of critical race theory and all the different things you have seen and hear talked about, how it is all sucked into that, that one issue. Okay, and is this inherently a province of black it, it, critical race theory. I, I would say it is it has become the province of the far, extreme far left um okay. whether whether you're black hispanic female gay transgender um asian you know if you're in one of the minority categories and you think extremely liberally then that you would likely be someone who who adheres to the critical race theory. And the problem with critical race theory is that it doesn't, it doesn't allow for you to look at things from an evidence-based objective standpoint. It looks at things based on identity. And once you're in a category, you don't get out of it. Um, you know, I'm a, um, um, uh, you, uh, an employer is having a discussion with an employee and, and the employee is in one of the minority categories. Uh, let's say um, one of the um, um, LGBTQT categories and is talking to an employer who's a white male married. 
Okay, he just views that person as the oppressor. Of course, the response to that is just because I'm a white male, you can't assume what my sexual um, uh, uh, leaning is. I mean, and that that totally destroys the whole critical race argument. But because because they're they're pinning you in identity and they're essentially being biased against you and discriminating against you based on who you are, while at the same time complaining that because of who they are, they're being discriminated against. It's a very um, uh, inconsistent um, theory. Okay. Um, I think I got where, too much in the weeds. <laughs> hey, that was, no, that was, that's the first. People have tried to explain it on TV and so forth, and I don't get it. I don't understand what they're saying. I got what you're saying. It was very, okay. very clear. Um, but, um, so where's it going, David? Is, is it, is it going, uh, are are the the white mothers of the world <laughs> rise up and mm-hmm. take control? I, I I think it's part of the overall ideological battle that we're seeing in this country the the, the battle of um of um um you know a free capitalistic society versus the government being more and more involved in dictating uh, what you do capitalism versus socialism. Um, Conservatism versus liberalism, um, um, uh, religious beliefs, Christianity and other religious beliefs versus, you know, atheistic, uh, agnostic. Um, all of that battle is going on now. And, you know, I can only, I hate to say it, but I have to fall back on my spiritual beliefs that God ultimately is going to take us where we need to go. Mm-hmm. But there may be some struggles along the mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What about uh, what about the? I don't think you used this term in your uh, discussion, uh, and it is uh, can, cancel, cancel cancel culture cancel cancel culture. Is that part of this? Yeah, that's okay. The, that, that's one of the things I was saying is that because you're an oppressor as opposed to an oppressed simply by your identity. Uh, factors that you can't control. You and me, we're oppressors. We're white, older males that uh, are middle or upper class. I mean, I'm I'm a middle class guy. Okay, so 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 anyway, so that makes us oppressors, and what we have to say is irrelevant. Okay, it's irrelevant because anything because of where we come from, because of our white privilege, anything we say is just inherently filled with the bias and discrimination that is this social construct in society. And anything we try to say to it is nothing more than an excuse, an effort to overlook all the harm that we and our ancestors have done. And therefore, we just need to shut up because we have nothing positive to contribute to this discussion. That is the view, ultimate view, of the cancel culture. How does some idiot fit in like the woman... That goes to Harvard or somewhere yesterday that she said she would, you know, love to uh, put a bullet in Trump's head and mm-hmm. skip out merrily along her way off. Well, again, I mean, I think I mean, that, is that uh, cancel? Is that part of Well, this? I mean, I don't know. I'd have to. I mean, certainly um, that that kind of far left thinking 
which of course allows her to say that, but we couldn't say that the other way because, again, we're the oppressors. We don't get a voice in this. You have to understand. So, so you know, there was a so time that uh, that part of the theory is why we've had so many people uh, uh, attack uh, Trump, but there's no reaction to it on the part of the press right. and everything because they that, don't get it. <laughs> that, that's right. That, nobody that, has a voice except the ones. That's that right. That attack is totally fair, totally appropriate. Doesn't have to be even. Trump doesn't get to respond. He's an oppressor. He's a bad guy. He is he is responsible I for this horrible state of affairs that we have. You know, it's important. The, 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 the meaning that comes out of this is, folks, this is the battle that's going on. And for all you Tea Party folks, we need you out there rallying and supporting the defenders yep. of, 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 of our great country. Marjorie Taylor Greene is is a leading defender of our country and its principles and its yes. histories. And yes, you may feel that sometimes she goes overboard in what she says, but, but, but that's okay. Her heart, her beliefs are, are the beliefs of 75% or more of her constituency, and she needs your support. And, and, and we've got an election coming up for governor, and maybe you'll have to hold your nose to vote for the person who is the most conservative of the two candidates, maybe not as conservative as you want. But you need to go hold your nose and vote because we're hanging on here. We lost two Senate seats because those of us on the conservative side weren't willing to hold our nose and go vote to save this country. We inadvertently hurt our country by trying to, I understand you were trying to take a principled stand. I totally get it. But that was not the time to do it. And in this upcoming election and the two and the twenty twenty four election, we have got to band together and vote for the most conservative candidate. Hold that thought too. <laughs> Illegal border crossings are uh, at a twenty year high, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to Sleepy Joe Biden's open borders policies. Uh, Biden destroyed. President Trump's border security and is directly responsible for causing the center border uh, crisis. Is, is, that, is that right? Is Biden destroying this, uh, our, our border security? What do you think about this? I agree. <laughs> I, loved, I, lo- I loved this question. Mike sometimes lets me know what some of the topics are. And on this one, he actually posed the question to me. And my answer is, yes, <laughs> I agree completely. I don't know that I can add to it. You know, um, the, the, uh, the, the Obama administration had a somewhat similar policy, but they also were very active in sending people who did not properly qualify under our laws back. The Biden, I mean, excuse me, the Obama administration. The Biden administration does not do that. The Trump administration took a different view, which was very successful. And that is, one, working with Mexico, you don't get to come across the border. And two, if you do, you know, your, your, your family, you know, we're going we're gonna to handle it how we need to handle it. And, and you're not going to necessarily get all the benefits that you're being promised. So the Biden administration's view is if we go down to the Central Triangle, those three countries, and and um, and we give them enough money, 
that their people will want to stay there. History does not agree with that. And those are history agrees that every time we give a lot of money to somebody, when we would give a lot of money to Nicaragua, it didn't go anywhere. It stayed in the presidential palace. Okay. Um, and, and so that, that's a, <laughs> like critical race theory. It's a very flawed thinking. Mm-hmm. So ha, has, has Biden um, um, hurt our, our border policy? He, he has just flat out crushed it. Crushed it. Okay. Um, David, what do you expect for 2022? Uh, Trump, uh, uh, a Trump uh, election, uh, incumbent Republican re-elections, the House taken over by the Republicans, the Senate taken over by the Republicans. I ask this in the context of, is Biden in charge? Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that Biden is in charge in the same way that, for example, Trump was or Obama was or whatever. I think I think we've seen the deficits that he has. He has a team um, that's running things. And, that's um, his deficit, his team. <laughs> and it could be. So, um, But, yeah, I think this is going to be, and I have even seen some Democratic pundits acknowledge this, um, that um, they're headed for, for, first of all, traditionally off-year elections at the congressional level go well for the party that is not in the White House. Mm-hmm. The White House loses those elections. Um, I fully expect that um, those conservative seats that we lost in the House that flipped it in 2018 to the Democrats, or was it 16, 18, 16 or 18, whichever it was, um, that... Um, that will get many enough of those back to take over the House, but it will be a very, very slim majority. Um, I expect to win enough seats and hold and win enough seats in the Senate to where we're back in the majority there. If you look at this past election, at the state level, we did very, very, very well, mm-hmm. which is why, particularly in the six swing states, it, it's impossible to believe um, the outcome that Trump lost when so many Republicans won in those states. You look at the state of Georgia here. We were expect. I mean, the, the Democrats were thinking they they had a shot at taking over the House. There was a net loss of either one or two seats. We still have a very comfortable margin in the House. So, so if that's the way Georgia went, that's totally inconsistent with the way the presidential election went. So, so there are issues there that are still being ferreted out. But, um, but um, in 2022, I think the key issues for 2022 are going to be the governorship. And on the governorship, who are the Democrats going to run? Is Stacey Abrams going to run? From what I'm being told, the answer is no, that she has bigger, ish, bigger um, places she wants to go, and she's not. If she gets in that race then the race for the governorship of Georgia is really at issue because Brian Kemp is clearly, he's going to get multiple challenges. Chances are that one of the challengers will be endorsed by Trump. It's going to be hard for Kemp to win Trump back. He could, but it's going to be hard. Um, and so that could uh, really, um, really hurt um, really hurt him. And then going into an election against Stacey Abrams, where Georgia appears to have become more, more um, purple, where we don't have any comfort level 
that the elections are being handled non-fraudulently in the Atlanta suburb and in the Atlanta uh, city, uh, the counties there, and um, and where he's facing someone who he very nearly was in a runoff with, those would all bode very bad mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Governor Kemp. So um, that is going to be election, whereas I just said, we're going to have to come together. We're going to have a contentious gubernatorial race. Um, but somebody's going to win it, and whoever wins it on the Republican side, we all need to get behind. We did our protest votes in 2020. Now's the time to come back. Um, Secretary of State, of course, Brad Raffensperger absolutely needs to go. I don't think he'll get 20% of the vote in the Republican primary. Um, we'll have a new new person there. Attorney General is going to be very interesting. Um, no one has as of yet... Um, um, expressed uh, a desire to run against Chris Carr, um, I have been approached on that issue by, uh, by, some, by, by the Trump team. So um, we're at least talking. Okay. Um, well, and then, uh, and then, of course, we've got lieutenant governor. I got your back if you go. <laughs> well, we've got the lieutenant governor um, race, which is an open seat because uh, Jeff Duncan's not going to run again. Right. So, again, when it comes, what it comes down to is whoever gets the nomination on the Republican side, we have to come together as a team, and and vote and support that. Locally, what, what about Wendy? What do, what do you think? Well, I think I, I think Wendy is going to get clobbered. Well, I, I'm surprised she's running. I'm, surpri- I'm, I'm not surprised that she's running for that seat. I'm just surprised at the timing of it. Um, it's, while on the one hand, it's true that a, first, uh, uh, a first-term incumbent is most vulnerable after their first term. That is, they go second, third, fourth term, they tend to be more solid and more difficult mm-hmm. to defeat. So that's one thought process in Wendy's decision, I'm sure. But... <clears throat> But the district is still, uh, you know, it's a 70, 70 to 75 percent conservative district. Now, it's going to be changed through congressional redistricting. Wendy's entrance into the race probably means that a, a, it'll, it'll keep uh, a strong, strong, strong conservative bend. They're not going to take as much conservative out to send to other districts and bring in uh, probably South Cobb. To, 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 to even it out some. Uh, so she actually is having an impact on it. Um, so, I mean, if, if it were me, I would have waited two, maybe, maybe four more years when the district would be becoming more even and she'd have a better shot at it. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I spoke with the Democratic strategist in northwest Georgia and um, was informed that while they didn't particularly care for our congresswoman, no surprise there, uh, she was there as long as she wanted to be. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, good. And I, you know, I, that's that's two two minutes left. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Dog gone. We got so much to, <laughs> to do. Um, let's see what I want to. Um, okay. Let's talk about Brian Kemp for a second. What is the uh, what's the rub on? Uh, well, I think you him. were asking about that in the context of the voter law, and yeah. and you know he said we want every legal vote to count, and we we want to make it easy easy to to legally vote and harder to cheat. And um, there there are debates all across the board on the new law. 
from the conservative standpoint, a lot of people think it was just uh, window dressing. It really didn't do much to fix the potential issues that in some ways it, uh, stat it made statutory the opportunity for mistakes to occur. And then, of course, from the Democrat side, it's viewed as Jim Crow 2.0. Um, the answer is they did the best they could with, um, with a difficult situation. Um, and there are several things in the law that I do like. Um, um, the, the requirement for a voter ID, uh, it, it's already in the law that you have, have to have a voter ID to get registered. So in some ways it's duplicative, but, um, but it's still, it was a good idea. And, and so we, um, um, I, th I think, I think we did the right thing with that. And I, I largely, I agree with the governor, uh, on that. I wish, <clears throat> I wish we could have gotten rid of, uh, no excuse, uh, absentee ballots, but um, the bottom line is this: in the next, in the next several months, with the lawsuit going on on Fulton County, and hopefully the opportunity to actually review those ballots to see if the ballots, the absentee ballots, got stuffed. That's important. That's one thing we're going to find out. If 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 they ever produce the ballots, they've been ordered to produce them, but as I understand it, they've not yet been produced. And if those ballots have been tampered with, destroyed, or not kept. Somebody needs to go to jail. Somebody needs to go. So we got that going on. So anyway, um, we're, we're, we're out of time, but um, what we really need to do is figure out what happened in this last election and then go from there. And get zeroed in on 2022. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, now we need to wrap it up, and I would be remiss if I didn't enthusiastically say thanks to our sponsors. They keep our boat afloat. So thank you, Ann Cruz, Chuck Stein, Dave and Gene Walls, Paper Pack, uh, Deborah Porterfield, Mike Morton, the law offices of David, of David Goldenshoe, and Joe Manzella. Thanks so much, everyone. And David... One more time, let me say thanks to you for bringing us a lot of enlightenment today. Uh, and let me ask you a quick one. You were in uh, Los, Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. uh, did you get enlightened uh, <laughs> by the purple people? You'll have to bring me back for another show, and I'll enlighten you greatly. <laughs> okay, I look forward to it. Okay, folks, with that having been said, we'll see you next week on Tea Party Talk. Mm -hmm.